did Jesus, Paul, and James have different Gospels? That is a question that's been out there for asked and answered for since, well, definitely since longer than I've been alive. And um, it's, it's alleged that Paul came along and started teaching something totally different than Jesus or James. And actually, Paul just sort of did his own thing. Um, it's also claimed that Paul never mentioned anything about Jesus' uh, ministry outside of his death and resurrection. And um, I've even seen where some claim that Paul never acknowledged the other apostles, and supposedly the apostles didn't accept Paul. So, you know, it's real easy to go around. <coughs> it's real easy to go around and say these things, and especially if you can get so-called Bible scholars, people who they know a lot about the Bible, but they don't know the Bible. Uh, it, it's amazing to me to listen to some of these guys, like Bart Ehrman is, is a perfect example of this, that as I as somebody who has grown up saturated in what the Bible actually says, in context, I listen to somebody like him, and I scratch my head and I wonder, what Bible are they reading? Because it is certainly not the Bible that I grew up with. So let's take a look at uh, some of the things. Now, the other part of this is on the other side, you have um, what I call the hyper-dispensationalist who say that um, the uh, that there was a different way of getting saved at different ages, and Jews get saved differently than um, Gentiles do. And again, I have a really hard time with that because it all comes down to the same thing. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about that, and we get the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, or some call it the traveler. Um, and it, it's, it's a twofold thing. And that is, love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, body, and, and soul. And then the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you love God, and he, you know, when we love somebody, we tend to emulate them. And God loved the world to the point that he gave his only begotten son. So let's take a look at the gospel as Jesus talked about it. Um, let's start with um, John 3, and what we're going to do here is we're going to pick it up right from the start because one of the most important things you have to do when you're studying the Bible, when you're reading the Bible, is the chapters and verses are not um, they're not inspired. So you have to take them, uh, 
and kind of ignore them and get the entire passage until there's a natural break. So it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, I'm not going to go into all of it. Uh, the Basically, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, we know that you're a, a rule that you've come from God because nobody can do the works, the miracles you've been doing, um, except he's it, God's with him. So Jesus' very first words out of his mouth are, "I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." So right away, Jesus is knocking is trying to get Nicodemus to think differently. And that's the big key to Christianity. We have to think differently. And that difference is quit thinking about the physical, start thinking about the spiritual. Um, Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, so immediately we've got a disconnect here. Jesus is talking about spirituality, and Nicodemus is thinking physical. And that's the problem. Everybody thinks physical. If I do enough good deeds, God will surely accept me. And Jesus is saying, no, it's spiritual, it's repentance, and we're going to see that. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, unto thee, you must be born again. Now, I, I realize for some of you this is confusing because I grew up with the King James. I love the King James. No, I am not King James only. I am King James preferred. I love using it. I, I love the language and the poetry of it. And I use other versions alongside the King James for my personal study. But when I'm teaching and preaching, I, I King James is what I tend to use um, right off. Anyway, marvel not that I say it unto you unto thee, you must be born again. And then he goes into talking about um, the wind, which is another word for spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. In other words, Jesus is trying to get across to Nicodemus we're talking we're not talking about the physical here we're talking about the spiritual um Nicodemus answered and said unto him how can these things be Jesus answered and said unto him art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things and they continue their conversation finally we get down here to verse 15, that whosoever, uh, let's see, let's back up to 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoso 
whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we see here this is not a works-based salvation Jesus is talking about. It's, and he even refers back to the Old Testament, um, the incident with the serpent in the wilderness, the Israelites had been murmuring and rebelling against God, and God sent deadly snakes into the camp, and people were dying as punishment. And uh, I remember when I was in Bible college, th there was one incident where we were griping and complaining, and the professor looks and, and he starts looking at the ground. We're like, what are you doing? He's, I'm watching for the snakes. And by the way, that's the environment I grew up in, where we knew our Bible so well that we could make a joke like that, and everybody knew what the joke was, and we knew we better straighten up. Um, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, well, what happened was when the people cried out uh, and started to ask Moses to go to God for them, Moses, uh, Moses did go to God, and God said, make this brass serpent, put it on a pole, and uh, put it outside the camp, and when anybody looks on that serpent, they'll be healed. And... Um, so that's what happened. So we see here that Jesus is comparing himself to what happened there. And it's where we get the phrase in the song, look and live. Uh, look to Jesus now and live. And that's what we have to do for salvation. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that uh, believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Then we go into the whole thing of people, whether or not they come to the light, which is Jesus. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. So right here we have Jesus saying, you know, a, a way to, to look at that would be that um, what we can do, it, it, what, what Jesus is saying is, those that do right, they come to God so that, you know, Jesus said, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, that's a work that's already been accomplished. So that's that part of it. Then we have, um, let's, let's go ahead and let's take a look at, at James next. Um, let's see, James 2, we'll start in verse 14. Okay, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, this is where everybody gets hung up. And remember, I said, you have to read the whole passage. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye uh, warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? 
Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, that uh, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Here's the key. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Or a better word here would be complete. And the scripture was fulfilled, saying, uh, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. That's what Paul, what James is saying is, faith, you can say you have faith, but if there's no works behind it, it's dead. It's not real. Okay, so now we see if we take the whole passage, we say we see how faith motivates us to action. And if there's no action behind our so-called faith, then is there faith? Is there salvation? Has there been a change? So what about Paul? Well, everybody loves Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You know, we all love, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And everybody stops there. Keep reading. The next verse fits with it. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So what have we got? We have Jesus saying, well, I mean, he is. He's saying repentance brings about a change of behavior. And, And we no longer fear the light. We want to come to the light so that... Our God can be glorified through what we do. What have we got with James? Faith, your faith, if it hasn't, if there's no action to back it up, it's dead. It's useless. It's not even real. What is Paul saying? We're saved by faith, but we're not saved to just be saved. We're saved to unto good works. So all three are saying the exact same thing in different ways, and that is works are the evidence of a salvation by faith or by grace through faith that comes from Jesus Christ. All right, now, as we wrap up, everybody's going to keep arguing over that. I'm showing you what the Bible says. In brief, I I could take a whole college course on this. All right, now, what about Paul and um, the fact that supposedly he never says anything about the life of Jesus? 
you are aware, aren't you, that Luke was Paul's traveling companion, did a great deal of the actual writing that Paul—Paul only wrote Galatians directly. Um, Most of the time, somebody else was there as a scribe, namely Luke. Luke wrote both Acts and the book, the Gospel of Luke, while he was traveling with the Apostle Paul. So there you go, right there. The whole history, the, the ministry of Jesus, presenting Jesus in a literary portrait sense, presenting Jesus as the Son of Man. Um, in addition to that, he then wrote the Acts of the Apostles, which is a history of the early church. The second thing, something I have always noticed my entire life, is that Jesus set forth the framework of doctrines in the Gospels, and then Paul came along and built the house on that foundation and the framework that Jesus had set up. So there is no difference between the two. Paul just takes it to the Gentiles as well as fleshing everything out. And then the second church council included Paul and the other 12 um, in Acts 15. And um, again, Acts 22, Paul talks of how he was sent by God unto the Gentiles, which is why it's generally accepted that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, and the others uh, were apostles primarily to the Jews. Um, So, Acts 15, by the way, was uh, one, I think it was the second, uh, first or second church council, and by then it had already been established that they were in preaching the gospel since it was obvious God had opened the gospel now to the the Gentiles the decision was the question was would they apply the law the Old Testament law and circumcision to the Gentiles in order to be saved or was God saying no that's unnecessary and and they came to the realization that no they themselves couldn't even keep the law so why put this extra burden on the Gentiles so there were a couple things like don't worship idols and don't drink blood and um, from there they went they said you know salvation is by faith through uh, through the work of Jesus Christ so there really isn't any discrepancy um, I know that people don't like that, too bad. That's the Bible. Uh, And if you actually take a look at what the Bible says in context and in relation to other scriptures and compare scripture with scripture, it's amazing the truth that comes out. And all of a sudden, all of these people with all of their degrees and thinking they're so smart start looking like a flat-earth conspiracy theorist when it comes to matters of, um, of the Bible, Christian belief, and faith. So, 
in the meantime, stay in the Word and um, consider supporting this ministry. I would like to, uh, I'm, I've got it as a written blog and here on this podcast of The Christian Boomer, and I would really like to expand it beyond this, maybe into a YouTube channel. So um, there will be links in the podcast where you can go to donate, uh, to stay in touch, comment sections, etc. And until next time, Lord bless you, and uh, stay in the Word.